All right. Good morning, Next Step Community Church. I'm so I am so pl pleased to be here. Um, last time I got a chance to be with you with my family. My two little girls were sick today, so uh, please pray for them. Um, would you all stand to your feet as we read God's word together? First of all, I want to say every time I'm here, I am so blessed. Uh, I mean, I feel like I don't even need to preach because of, I'm already, you know, being so touched by God, by the worship and, and the songs that y'all choose by Rebecca and Juan. Thank you for sharing your testimony. This church is 200 years old. Praise God. I, I knew Pastor Edwin was old. I didn't know he was that old. Um, but I am so blessed by the ministry here. We're going to read God's word and, and, and learn of it together today. James chapter 5, verse 13 to 18. Is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. I want to say pray. Pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Elijah was a human being, even as we are. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Again, he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crops. This reading God's word. Thanks be to God. Y'all may be seated. Uh, I, I'm curious, how many of y'all had the same experience I did when you heard Rebecca share about what's going on at Honduras, that you said, man, we need to pray for Rebecca and Juan and their ministry? Absolutely. Now, here's a question. All right, I don't want you to raise your hand. How many of y'all would say that you are good at prayer? Don't raise your hand, because the rest of us are going to judge you, okay? Like, most of us, if I asked, and again, you know, I've been, I've been able to pastor and lead people for, for years now, and, and I ask, like, hey, what area of your Christian life would you love to grow in? Most of the time people say, well, I'd love to get better at prayer. I'd love to grow in prayer. I know that if I prayed more, things could happen in my life. I, I, I think prayer is that area where, where I want to get better at. Because most people that I talk to don't think they're really good at prayer, okay? Every year in our church, what we do is we started with a series. We started the new year with a series that we call the School of Prayer. Because we, we want to start with this posture of, of, God, teach us how to pray. Teach us how to pray. And we want to learn, especially from the way that Jesus prayed and the way that Jesus taught us to pray. So we call it the school of prayer. This past year, I, I told our church, um, I think we should need to rename the series. I don't, I don't think we should call it the school of prayer anymore. I think we should call it the preschool of prayer. Now, here's why. When we think about school, we bring a lot of ideas of what school is. Some of us in this room did very well at school. We liked school. Some of us did not like school. We were forced to go. Some of us, right there, right, my brother in the front, right there, did not. Some of us were forced to go to school. Some of us did not have a great experience at school. Some of us, um, going to school was just a reminder of the things that we were not good at. The things that we could not achieve, the, the things that did not, and, and because, you know, when we think about school, we think about those who do well, those who don't do well. Those who, are, who achieve certain, certain good marks and those who do not, those who can move on to a higher grade or to a higher level and those who cannot. My youngest daughter is in preschool. 
She loves school. She loves school. And, and what I love about preschool is that um, preschool is way more about who you are than what you can do. It's more, way more about like how you can grow as a person more than what you can perform and achieve. Here's the secret about preschool. If you show up, you got an A+. Plus. That's all you got to do. You just got to show up and you have an A+. Plus. Because again, the, the purpose of preschool is not to learn all these concepts, even though they, they do that. The purpose of preschool is learning how to learn. It's learning how to learn. And, and hopefully, if you're in a school that does it right, it's learning to love learning. Learning to love being with other people in an environment where they're learning. It's learning that it's okay to mess up and try new things because when you're in preschool, everything's new. You've never done this before. My little Sophie, um, I, I like to say she has irrational confidence. Okay? She thinks she's good at everything. <laughs> she thinks she's good at everything. And again, if you talk to preschoolers, because her and her little friends, you ask them, put them in a room and say, who's good at dancing? They'll all raise their hand. I'm good at dancing. Who's good at singing? They're all going to raise their hand. I'm good at singing. Who can make up a song? They'll make up a song right now. Irrational confidence. I love it. My little one, we got bunk beds for her and her older sister. And, and, she, um, and, and she somehow got in her mind to go up to the top of the bunk bed, throw a couple pillows down, and jump off the bunk bed onto the floor. And I told her, Sophie, you cannot do that. She said, but dad, I was wearing my Supergirl costume. It's okay. Irrational confidence, okay? Now, some of us might say, well, well, when she gets older, when she gets into middle school and high school, when she goes to college, she's going to learn that that's not what school is about. School is about achievement. School is about doing, getting good grades and going to the next, going to the next grade and, and, and making something of your life. And, and, and so some, you're going to be good at certain things. That, and, and, I, and I'm going to tell you, as her dad, I hope she never learns that. I hope she never learns that. I hope that she always sees school as a place where she is learning to love learning. Where it's more important about who she is than what she performs. I want her to be in preschool forever. <laughs> and I wonder, friends, if I wonder if God wants us to be in the preschool of prayer. Because what if what God is not trying to teach us is how to do better at things, perform better? Live up to a better standard. What if it's just learning how to love God? Learning how to love talking to God. Knowing that it's okay to mess up. Because we're not going to do it perfectly because this may be new to us. Some of us in this room, we are brand new at talking to God. And I want to tell you that, that man, you are in the right place because you got an A+. Okay? There's a... Um, a friend of ours, Pastor Rich Velotis over at New Life Fellowship, he, he in his book, Deeply Formed Life, he quotes a guy named Thomas Keating. And what he says is that when you pray, and this happens to me often, if your mind wanders 10,000 times when you pray, those are 10,000 opportunities to come back to God. Those are 10,000 opportunities to experience His grace. Those are 10,000 opportunities for God to welcome you back. Because that's what God wants to do. 
He wants to be with you. He wants you to know him. He wants you to talk to him. And, and for James and the early church, prayer wasn't something you got good at. It was just something you did. It was just normal life. Something good happens, you pray. Someone's sick, you pray. You don't even think about it, you just do it. It's a normal Tuesday, it's a normal Wednesday. Earlier this year, there was something that, that happened in, uh, at a small Christian school in Kentucky uh, called Asbury. Uh, I don't know if you all heard about it. Um, they have their normal chapel service every Wednesday, every Wednesday morning. They meet for about an hour. All the students come and, and they all worship together and they hear a message and, and they, they close with a hymn and then they pray and everyone leaves and goes to their class. They do this every Wednesday. February 8th, something happened. They went through their service, they heard a message, they sang a hymn, and the person coming up leading the service prayed, looked up, and everyone was still praying. None of the students left. And they just kept praying. The whole day goes by, they keep praying. The next day, they're still praying. Two weeks go by, they're still praying. They had to cancel classes. Because none of the students would go to class. None of the teachers were going to teach their class because they were all in that chapel praying. This went on for weeks. This went on for months. People from surrounding towns heard about it. They drove in because they want to know what's going on here. People from around the country are hearing about this. They are flying in, driving across the country. I've heard of people who were driving from like Colorado and Indiana to Kentucky wanting to know what was happening. News outlets heard about this. They started writing about it and say, is there a revival that's happening here? And after a while, they had to, they, they, the school said, you know, we, we got to start teaching y'all classes, okay? <laughs> so let's, let's, let's organize this. Let's have some meetings. And, and, and it was interesting because the question kept happening, is this a revival? And again, you may or may not have heard that word before. Revival often is when, when we see a move of God, when we see something happen, when we see people get really excited Sometimes we call a service, special services that we have over a couple of weeks. We'll call that a revival. You know, there's momentum, there's passion, there's excitement. And usually what happens when it's a revival, we think that, well, it'll die out. You know, these students, you know, after a couple of weeks, after a couple of months, the semester goes by, finals come along, they're going to they're gonna get out of their system. I don't know the, the perfect definition of revival. Here's my definition, Okay. When the extraordinary things of God become ordinary. When the extraordinary things of God become ordinary. When the miracles of God just look like a Wednesday morning. What if God was just doing things all the time? God was moving all the time. We were talking to God all the time. He was doing miracles in our midst and it was just a Wednesday morning. It was just normal. Because we believe that God is in our midst. We believe that God is doing something. He is moving in a miraculous way. Now here's, again, I'm going to be real honest with y'all, okay? In church, you've been around church folks. When we say we're going to pray about it, usually it's like, I don't know if I want to do this thing or not, but maybe God will change my heart. Maybe God will change my mind. Hey, would you like to be an usher at the church? Let me pray about it. You're not going to be an usher at the church. Come on now. You're not going to be an usher. 
would you like to come to our birthday party? Well, I don't know. Let me pray about it. I'm praying about it. You're not coming to my birthday party. I'm, I know you're not. Because usually we think about prayer of like, oh, I could do this thing. I don't know if I want to. Or, man, there's a thing that I really want. God, can you just hurry up and give it to me? So I'm driving around the block looking for parking. I ask my kids, please pray that daddy gets a parking spot. Right? I'm late to work. I'm, please, Lord, let that C train come. Things that are generally, again, within our ability to act or control, but we just want it a little bit faster. Maybe we've got to change my mind, change my heart. Um, what I wonder, though, is that, and, and we might have had that experience where there's nothing more you can do. You get that text, you get that phone call, and your loved one tells you, or someone that, that you know, you hear the news that they just got a diagnosis for cancer. They don't know if there's anything you can do. Someone that you love, someone that you know, someone in your community, um, you find out that they're now in a, a, a position of financial hardship. Got laid off. Someone lost their job. They don't know what they're going to do. And, and, and they ask you, can you pray? Or you may say, can I pray? And there's now a desperation that happens in you. There's something that, now what's, what's interesting is that like when I get in desperate moments, I try to do everything I can do. If my mom got sick, praise God that she's not, but if she got sick, like I don't have a medical degree, but I trust me, I would like, you know, be, do everything I could, be everything short of a doctor so that she got the perfect medical treatment. If my kids were in trouble, Nothing could stand in my way for me to take care of my kids and make sure that they have everything that they need. But we know there comes a moment in life where we, we, there's nothing more that we can do. We are at the end of ourselves. And it's in those moments that, that God invites us to say, well, you trust me now. Can you pray? There's a story that I love in, um, in Luke's Gospel. It says, one, one day um, Jesus was teaching, and the Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there. They had come from every village of Galilee and from Judea and Jerusalem, and the power of the Lord was with Jesus to heal the sick. Everyone knew it. Everyone knew that. Some men came carrying a paralyzed man on a mat and tried to take him into the house to lay him before Jesus. When they could not find a way to do this because of the crowd, they went up on the roof, lowered him down on his mat through the tiles in the middle of the crowd, right in front of Jesus. When Jesus saw their faith, he said, friend, your sins are forgiven. Now listen to this story. Everyone knew that if he got to Jesus, that someone who was sick could be healed. So he got these friends who have, who have somebody who's with them, who is paralyzed. If we just get this guy to Jesus, he'll be healed. But from what we would imagine, we don't know for sure, what we imagine is that there, was, there were too many people that were blocking the door. So what these friends decided to do is go up on the roof, cut a hole in the roof, lower, lower their friend down to Jesus. Like, I, again, there is some sort of like destruction of property that's going on here, okay? There's some illegal activity. But they're like, hey, nothing's going to get in our way. 
We care about our friends so much. We believe so clearly that Jesus can heal this person. that There's nothing that can get in our way for get our friend to Jesus. There's a desperation because, because it's beyond what we can do on our own. Friends, there, there's, um, there's, there's this invitation that James says that if you pray, you can get to Jesus. If you pray for someone, you can get them to Jesus. And then it's up to them. It's a, then it's like, it's not up to you anymore. It's up to God to do what he does. But I'm going to do everything that I can do. And what I love about what James says is that, you know, are you happy? Sing songs of prayer, praise. Like when we're desperate, when we're, when we're hurting, when we're suffering, we could also pray. But also when we're joyful, we could pray. Because even like, sometimes like, our ability to express our joy is beyond us. It's beyond just here. It's like we, we want to let it out. We want to praise. We want to give praise to God. Have you ever been in that situation where you are just, you are so overwhelmed and so overcome with joy that you just need to express it? Um, I'm, I'm Korean American, and in my lifetime, one of the most amazing sports events that has ever happened was the 2002 World Cup. Okay? Because y'all may not remember, Korea generally does not do well in soccer in the World Cup. That one year, they did amazing. And I was living in California at the time, and I remember I'll be on the streets of Los Angeles in the middle of the night, 3, 4 in the morning. We'd watch the games, and they'd have it in parking lots and on the streets, and we'd be watching this together. And there was this one game. We we were going to go to the, the quarterfinals, and we won the game 5 in the morning. I, I believe that game was on penalty kicks. We won. I was so overwhelmed with joy. The place exploded. I looked over. There was an old lady next to me. And I hugged her like she was my grandma. <laughs> and she lo- lo- hugged me like I was her long-lost grandson. And we just embraced. And we're just in this moment of like, yes. <laughs> Think about that moment for you. I am so overwhelmed. I'm so overcome with joy right now in this moment. I got to hug somebody. I got to embrace. I got to act and express my joy. The word invites us to do that to God. To sing a song of praise. We may feel like I can't physically embrace God, but we can sing our songs of praise. We can pray. and We're right with him. And we can pray and he's with us beyond our ability to act. And and what God wants us to do when we pray is simply, again, be with him, learn how he sees us and how he sees the world. To be with God, to be with Jesus, to learn how he sees us and how he wants us to see the world. Um, My wife, she um, has, um, every every year, beginning of the year, she um, has in our bathroom a little chalkboard. And at the beginning of the year, she'll write out a verse, because my wife is a much better Christian than I am. She, she's the one who gets to pick it. Um, she gets to pick the verse for our family. And this year, this is the one that she chose and she wrote. So every time we come in and wash our hands, this is what we read. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. 
not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. Don't think about this from your perspective. Think about it from God's perspective. What if you thought about this God's way? What could change? Because often what we do when we pray is we think about our capacity to love, our capacity to have compassion. But what if instead, because I don't know about y'all, but for me, my capacity to love and have compassion can feel small. It doesn't feel like it's so big. Especially if for people that, you know, if you love me and you love my kids, we're good. If you don't love me, and especially if you don't love my kids, I mean, I don't, I don't know if, you know, I, I don't know how I'm going to respond to you. Because that's my perspective. What Jesus wants us to do is say, well, do you, know my, do you know God's perspective? What if you looked at the world, not through your eyes, but through God's eyes? How does Jesus view the world? And, you know, in the Gospel of Matthew, in verse, chapter 9, verse 35 and 36, um, Matthew gives us an overview of Jesus' ministry. Okay, basically, this is the way that Jesus... You know, and when he was here on the earth, this is what he did. He says, Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them, because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. That word for compassion in the original language, it, li- it means to literally, when your insides turn, that when you get, you know when you get that knot in your stomach? When you're moved internally, that you have this physical response because what you see is touching your heart and your soul in such a deep way? That's what that word compassion means. Recently, I, um, you know, it's been throughout the year and, and it's, it's sad that this happens so constantly, but I look over and I'll see my wife and she'll have her phone in front of her and she's weeping. And I know exactly what's going on. She's looking at pictures and reading stories about what's happening in the Middle East, particularly to children and babies. And she's weeping because her heart is so moved. Her guts, her insides are being turned. That is compassion. But even even when we think about what what happens when, when, when we lose our capacity for compassion, what do we do then? Can we still pray? Um, years ago, I was a youth pastor at a church, and I was brand new to this church. And, um, you know, we're, I, was, I was brand new there. We were making some changes with the youth and to the programs that we were doing and shifting some things for the future. And, and some of the folks who were there um, didn't, didn't all agree with all the choices that we were making. And I remember one of the parents of one of the youth came and talked to me, and he said, a very successful man, he comes up to me, he says, um, Pastor Mike, you're making a lot of changes. I don't agree with all of them. I said, no, I'm, I'm happy to hear, you know, you're, please, let me know. Let me, give me your thoughts, give me your feedback. And, and he says, you know, like, hey, I don't like this, I don't like this, I don't like this. This is what I want you to change. I said, well, thank you for sharing, but we're, we're going to keep on course. because I really believe, and, and, and Pastor believes that this is the right way for us to go. Well, he looks at me and says this, well, you know, I have a company. 
And in my company, when one of the executives does something that the board of director doesn't like, the board of directors can remove that executive. And in this church, the parents are like your board of directors. And I, and I, looked, I was like, are you threatening me? This is like a mob shakedown. What are we doing here? And, and, and I was, and, and I was like, and, and sure enough, that next week, he goes to our senior pastor and complains and tries to get me removed. Now, thankfully, my senior pastor had my back because we were on the same page, and he said, "No, we're not going to do that." Um, when I heard this, y'all, I was so mad. I was like, I was incensed. I was, you know, I, I just, I couldn't believe that this man would try to do this. And I was just so overwhelmed that I just need to get all the, the energy out. So I went for a run. I don't even like running, y'all. But I, I just, I was like, I'm going to go run. And so I went for this long run and I remember running and I was just mad. Just, and I was angry and I was talking to God, but I was angry. And, and so I'm running and about like half mile in, I just feel my spirit of the Lord say, pray for him. Yes. Yes. And I said, nope. <laughs> Not doing it. About a mile. Lord says, pray for him. Nope. Another half mile, about a mile and a half mark. What, what do you think God says? Pray for him. And I said, I'll pray that you rebuke him for his pride and unrighteousness. But I know that's not what God meant. It took me a couple miles when I finally again heard God clearly say, I prayed for him that I just stopped and I prayed for him. I prayed for his family. I prayed for his marriage. I prayed for his relationship with his kids. I prayed for his business. Pray for his growth with the Lord. Pray for our relationship. Pray for reconciliation. Pray for forgiveness. Now, I love to tell you that, that that relationship turned and we reconciled and we got to a good place, but we didn't. But I realized that wasn't the point. I think God, what God wanted was for me to increase my capacity for compassion by not looking through my lens, but looking through God's lens. Because what prayer does it allows us to tap into God's capacity for compassion. Think about Jesus. This is what it says in Luke. Two other men, both criminals, were also led out with him to be executed. When they came to the place called the skull, they crucified him there. They crucified Jesus along with the criminals, one on his right, one on his left. Jesus said, and this is about the people who were crucifying him, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they're doing. And they divided up lots, um, divided up his clothes by casting lots. Jesus, to the people who are persecuting him, who are killing him, prays that, that they would have forgiveness. Prays that God would be gracious to them because they don't know what they're doing. That's Jesus' capacity for compassion. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, the, the theologian, the German theologian, this is what he says, a Christian fellowship lives and exists by the intercession of its members for one another, or it collapses. Intercession is just a, a fancy way to say praying for each other. 
I can no longer condemn or hate a brother for whom I pray, no matter how much trouble he causes me. I cannot condemn or hate a brother or sister I pray for, no matter how much trouble they cause me. I bet in this room there's some people that are causing us trouble. (laughs) What if Jesus' capacity for compassion, which exceeds ours, what if we prayed from that? I wonder what could happen. I wonder how he could grow us. I wonder what he could do there. You know, it's interesting about this passage of James. It says in verse 15, the prayer offered in faith will make the, pers- make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Now, I underline this because in the original language, this is what's called the indicative case. So it basically is a point of fact. This will happen. You pray for a sick person in faith, they will get well. Now, that doesn't always happen, but generally, again, in this, it, there was faith that this, could, that this could be true. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven if they pray. Now, what's interesting here is that James says, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. And here, it's a different kind of verb that James uses. It's the subjective case. It's not indicative, a point of fact. It's subjective, a point of possibility. So that you may be healed. If you confess your sins and pray to one another, you might be healed. There's a possibility of healing. There's a possibility of reconciliation. We don't know for sure. But what if it could be possible? Because this is what prayer does. Prayer, just like my daughter, who has that irrational confidence, Prayer expands and increases our imagination. What could be possible? What could God do? We don't know for sure. What might happen? When I was um, about 27 years old, I was, I was um, getting to the age where like, I, my, I think my mind thinks that my body can do things it can't do. Um, and I was playing sports, and I tore my Achilles tendon. And that's a pretty, that's a terrible injury, if you know it. Um, and, and so I went to go see the doctors and the surgeons and say, well, you need surgery. But because of the schedule, and this was around the holidays, they kept pushing it back, pushing it back. So well, after Christmas, after the new year, and so months and months go by. And, and all the while, um, you know, again, I, I'm, I'm working at a church, and all the, all the, um, we had an early morning prayer service and all the older ladies would come to me and they would say, Pastor Mike, we are praying that God will heal you. I said, thank you very much. But I'm getting that surgery. So I'm good. Um, but every, every week they would come to me and say, Pastor Mike, we are praying that God will heal you. I didn't believe it. Sure enough, the day of the surgery, I get up early, I go, go to the hospital. Um, they lay me down. And get me ready. I'm, I'm in pre-op. I'm, 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 you know, have like the sedation to get ready for the service and or service for the for the surgery. And um, the the surgeon comes in, lifts my leg, so that he can mark where he's going to make the incisions. 
pushes my foot in to be able to mark it. And, he, and this is what he tells me. I was very drugged up at this point, so I don't know what was going on, okay? But he pushed my toes in. He said that when he did that, my calf flexed. I said, what's going on? And he fell and he said, this Achilles tendon has grown back on its own. It's healed on its own. And he looks at me, he says, we don't, we don't need to do the surgery. Now me, because my faith is so small, I'm like, just do it anyway. I'm not coming back. Just do it anyway. He's like, no, we don't need to. And, and, and y'all, I'm just telling you, like, it's been fine ever since. I, praise God. Yeah, absolutely. Now, now, I share this story with you because, again, those ladies who were praying early in the morning, they were believing that God could do something that I did not believe could happen. I did not have the imagination to believe that God could have that kind of, that prayer could have that kind of input in my life, impact in my life. Now, what if all of us in this room, our imaginations for what God can do through our prayers are too small? What if that might be true? What if, if we all decide to pray, God could do more than we could ever ask for or imagine? What if that could be true? Um, when I was growing up at the mall, there was a store called Hot Topic. And I don't know if you, you know this store, if you grew up in, in, you know, anywhere near a mall. But at, at our Hot Topic, there was, um, and they sold a lot of like kind of pop culture and, and things like that. There were um, t-shirts up on the wall of the best-selling t-shirts. And they would have like one to 10, these are the best-selling t-shirts in this shop. And always on the wall was this t-shirt. I remember this. I don't know if ever, anyone's have seen this before. And, and this was always one of the top 10 selling t-shirts at this store. What I come to find out later is that this, this t-shirt was made by a nonprofit that's called To Write Love on Her Arms. And at this nonprofit, what they do is they, they particularly are, are geared towards helping young people who have um, addiction to substances, anxiety, depression, who are dealing with suicidal thoughts, really want to come alongside them and give them resources so they don't hurt themselves. And this organization started uh, because of the story and the testimony of a young man named Jamie uh, Torkowski, who in the mid-2000s, him and his friends, um, who are all believers, who are all Christians, they met this girl, Renee. And Renee was 19. Again, they were in their, their mid-20s. And, and they met Renee um, at a club, and she was at that point very addicted to alcohol and to drugs. And they really wanted to um, get Renee some help. But she was resistant to go. And so Jamie tells the story. He actually writes the story on MySpace. I don't, I don't even remember what MySpace is. But he writes the story on MySpace so many years ago about finding Renee hours later in the bathroom of this club. And she was high. And she was in such a bad place that she took a razor blade and cut her arm. And she wrote on her arm what she believed about herself. And she wrote, F up. And so they, so these these young people, they take Renee to a, a hospital, and they say, um, "Can you help her?" And they take her to a rehab center. They say, "Can you get her to a rehab center?" They say, "Well, we can help her arm, but we can't put her in a rehab center." 
because I think the, the rules were that she needed to be like off the drugs for a little while. So they said it's going to be about five days. So what these, what these young people in their, in, their, in their youth decide to do was that they decided they're going to be at her rehab center. So they decided for the next week that they were going to write love on her arms because she had written hate. And so they, they spent time with her. They, they, you know, they took her to church. They, they bought her coffee. They, they you know, just, just, spent with, just to get her ready to be able to go to, um, to the rehab center. And, and, and he tells this story about the night before. They had just gone to church. It was Sunday night. They were going to take her on Monday to the rehab center. And, um, and, and they were praying together in the room um, for her. And so what Jamie does is that um, he, um, he, he, he spent some time praying with Renee, and Renee gives him the razor blade that she had just a week earlier used to cut her arm. And she says, I want to give this to you because I don't need this anymore. Wow. And he writes this story where he says, we often ask God to show up. We pray prayers of rescue. Perhaps God would ask us to be that rescue, to be his body, to move for things that matter. I might be simple, but more and more, I believe God works in love, speaks in love, is revealed in our love. I've seen that this week. And honestly, it's been simple. Take a broken girl, treat her like a famous princess. Give her the best seats in the house. Buy her coffee and cigarettes for the coming up, books and bathroom things for the days ahead. Tell her something true when all she's known are lies. Tell her God loves her. Tell her about forgiveness, the possibility of freedom. Tell her she was made to dance in white dresses. All these things are true. Now you and I, because we're a little bit older, we might know that, hey, you know, these young people had the right intentions. That maybe wasn't the smartest thing for them to do. You know, they were probably not equipped to be able to care for this young, young woman in this way. It was probably, could have turned out to be a big mess. But what I realize is sometimes that when we step out and have an imagination that God could use us in a big way, it can get messy. We can make mistakes. And, and that's why we need one another in community to pray and support. Because what if it's not just them working alone, but it was a church community that was around them to say, hey, let's do this together. Let's do this with people who know how to do this. But I love their, but I love their faith to be able to say, what if God could use us? Friends, I want to pray in a way where I believe that God can do anything. I want to pray like I'm in preschool forever. Amen? Amen.